Amen. Praise God. Everybody said amen. First Samuel chapter 10, verse 17. The Bible said, And Samuel called the people together unto the Lord to Mizpah, and said unto the children of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought, I brought up Israel out of Egypt, and delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of all kingdoms, and of them that oppressed you. And ye have this day rejected your God, who himself saved you out of all your adversities and your tribulations. And ye have said unto him, Nay, but set a king over us. Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. And when Samuel had called all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was taken. And when he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matra was taken, and Saul the son of Kish was taken. And when they sought him, he could not be found. Notice that. Therefore they inquired of the Lord further if the man should yet come thither. And the Lord answered, Behold, notice this, Behold, he hath hid himself among the stuff. The Bible said, the Lord said, Saul hid himself among the stuff. So tonight I'm going to talk to us about hiding among the stuff. Among the stuff. The This passage of Scripture leaped out at me, and, and it intrigues me. It is, of course, a time in Israel's history that God is going to grant their request as uh, for a desire for a king. They wanted to be like every other nation. And in his, in his answering their request, he, uh, he, he found Saul. You gotta know that Saul was head and shoulders physically above every man in the, in Israel. And even though he was big, in physical stature, the Bible said he was little in his own eyes. And and what intrigues me here is that God chose Saul and anointed Saul and had a work for Saul to do. But when the time came for Saul to step forward and accept the calling that God had put on his life, the Bible said he was hiding among the stuff, the stuff. Now the word stuff, it's, uh, it's pretty much a catch-all phrase in, in our vernacular. It, it encompasses many things in our world when we say stuff. It, it's just one of those terms that we use when we can't find a specific word. You understand? When we can't say exactly or describe, uh, what the object is, we just call it stuff. As a matter of fact, when people can't find the proper term for describing activities or inventory or Whatever, here's what they'll say. Oh, you know, it's just a bunch of stuff. What have you got there? Oh, just a bunch of stuff. Our, we did, what'd you do when you went? We did a lot of stuff. Amen? Our, and this is one of my deals. My wife will tell you this. I got so much stuff to do today. Huh? Stuff. Everybody say stuff. That's a, that's a big word. Covers a lot of territory. I, I think the interesting thing is that, that it's used in the scripture to, to describe Saul's position when God called him to be king over Israel. The Bible doesn't say he was hiding among his herds or he was out working the crops or he was in his house or he was between fellow soldiers. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible, it, it just implies when it says Saul was hiding among the stuff, it implies that there was a lot of nameless, unimportant clutter among which this man would, would that would be king had hid himself or busied himself or surrounded himself with. He was just doing stuff. He was hidden among stuff. The Hebrew word for stuff that is in the Scripture, the Hebrew word here is spelled K-E-L-E-E. And 
and that means in the Scripture several things. I want you to notice what strong concordance says. It said it's a vessel or an instrument or a weapon or jewel or stuff or thing or armor or furniture or carriage or bag or miscellaneous. You see, in other words, there is no definition or definitive term for the word stuff. It means Catch me here now. Many different things. Matter of fact, Mr. Webster in his dictionary says it's this. This way. Stuff is a person's portable property, effects, baggage, belongings, chattels, gear, junk, luggage, movables, paraphernalia, things. There is nothing that really defines stuff. I'm just laying a little foundation here tonight. I want you to get it. It's an ambiguous term, and it's used in a lot of different ways in our everyday language. But in most cases, it describes things that we busy ourselves with on a daily basis. Now you think, well, why is he he talking about that? Because in the Scriptures, 16 times the word stuff is used. And in every case, it describes material possessions. It describes the things with which a person can become encumbered easily. So stuff, everybody say stuff, stuff in and of itself is not inherently bad or good. We all have it. We all have stuff. We all have stuff to do. We all surround ourselves with stuff in our life. Where stuff becomes a problem is when we hide, when it hides us from God and it keeps us from fulfilling the purpose of God in our life. You just can't get caught up with too much stuff in your life. And, and, and here's what I find. Uh, you tell me if I'm wrong, but I find that the more technology And the more that we have things that ought to free up our time, and the more that we get involved in things in our world that it it seems to consume us and consume our time. I dare you to check me out. Next red light you pull up to in the daylight where you can see everybody and the cars are stopped, look around you. Just look around you and see how many folks are on their cell phone. I challenge you to do that tomorrow. Just look around. And uh, matter of a fact, I was sitting in the office today, and I was behind my desk, and Brother Rory was sitting there, and, and Chelsea was sitting there, and we were doing church work. I hope you got your contribution statement by email. If you didn't, you'll get it in the mail. And if it's wrong, bring it to them. I'm leaving town. Amen. Give it to Brother Jeff. He's the one to take care of it. He ain't here tonight. We can shovel it off on him. But I looked up, and I didn't say a word to him, but everybody was on their cell phone. Next time you sit down at your table, look around. In your living room, look around. I was sitting in my living room just this past week. We had company. And, and everybody in the room has, was on their cell phone. So, so we have things that consume us. You see, we, we have to look at stuff in the Scripture that we, got, we need to look at stuff that kept people from fulfilling their calling. Now, I'm not preaching against cell phones, and I'm not preaching against your stuff. Okay? We all have stuff. Everybody say, we all have stuff. Look at your neighbor and say, I may need to borrow your stuff one day. We all got it. It's, it's, it's just a part of life. And we accumulate stuff. Amen? You see, guys, when they get older, they don't grow up. Their toys just get more expensive. You do understand that. We just get bigger toys. So, but, but, but here, here's what I want you to understand. It is a trick of the enemy to, to get us away from what we should be and ought to be doing for God and for ourselves. If we get caught up, Saul, the king to be over Israel, was hidden among stuff. I wonder if he was in 2019, 
if, if, if perhaps he would not find even more stuff. Because we are people that have been blessed of God. Nothing wrong with that. We just have a lot on our plate. How many of you understand that it ought to be slower life now, but it's not. It's busier life. We get up every morning running, and we don't stop until we until we just fall out at night and say, "Oh my goodness!" And uh, we we you know you go and you go and you go, and there's not enough hours in the day. My wife said last night, said, "Well, I guess we better go to bed so we can get up tomorrow and do this all over again." It's just life's routine. We're all we're all taking care of stuff. But I want you to look in the scripture with me at some people that kept from fulfilling that stuff, kept them fulfilling their calling with God. Read 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 26 with me. It'll be on the screen. I didn't give you any warning, but here we go. 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 26. Yeah, I knew somebody was up there. I see. The Bible said, and he said unto him, went not. Mine heart with thee, when the man turned again from his chariot to meet thee, is it a time to receive money and to receive garments and olive yards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and men servants and maid servants? You know who this is talking about? Gehazi. Gehazi was interested in Naaman's gold more than he was healing. More than he was a miracle. Gehazi, the servant, was looking at Naaman's gold. You know what Jesus said? He said, lay not up for yourselves treasures in this earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt and thieves break through and steal. Now, was Jesus talking about don't plan for retirement, don't plan for anything, don't have any life insurance? Absolutely not. What Jesus was saying is you can't be encumbered. You can't get weighted down thinking about all the stuff that you can attain in life. Don't you know that real riches is not in stuff? Real riches is when you find the kingdom of God embedded deep in your life. And you are a part of what God is doing. Don't get caught up, Gehazi, in Naaman's gold. It's not worth it. You'll miss a miracle. Amen. For the rich young ruler in Luke chapter 18, the rich young ruler doesn't even give his name, just calls him a rich young ruler. But watch what it said in verse 18. And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? It looks like he was after the right thing. This this rich guy. I don't know what he owned or how much property or how much gold or silver or, or, or whatever. But he evidently had something because Jesus said he was rich. And he came to him and he said, Jesus, our good master, what have I got to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good, save one that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. He said, you know what you have to do. He said, here's the, here's, he named a couple of them. He said, do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and the mother and thy mother. And he said, well, all these things I've kept my youth up. This rich guy, he answers Jesus and said, well, hey, I'm already doing that. I'm in. If that's all it is, I'm, I'm good to go. But there's one that he didn't name, that Jesus didn't name. One of the Ten Commandments says, Thou shalt not have any other God before me. Anybody know that one? Thou shalt not have any other God. And, and the Bible said, when Jesus heard these things, verse 22, He said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing. You just need to do one thing, and here's what it is. He said, I want you to sell all that thou hast and distribute to the poor. Sounds like socialism. And thou shalt have treasures in heaven. And come, follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful. Why was he very sorrowful? Because he had a lot of stuff. He was buried up in his stuff. 
He thought if all he had to do was not commit adultery, not kill, not steal, not bear false witness, honor his father and mother. If that's it, Jesus, I'm in. But the Lord said, you, you, you got a little something wrong here. You got something wrong. And here's what it is. He said, I want you to sell out. Go give all that you have. Distribute to the poor. And, and he said, then you're going to have treasures in heaven. Now, let, let, let me, let me talk to you from, from first Danny one and one. Okay. This is not in the Bible. This is for me. Here's what I believe. I don't believe God had a problem with him having money. I don't believe that God, God had a problem with him being rich. Amen. I don't. Matter of a fact, I can read you a scripture of the New Testament where it says that God's will is for you to prosper and to be in good health. So he's not against that. But here was the problem. The Lord could see beyond the face of that rich man. And he could look into his heart. And he saw that this rich man was not willing To really, totally give everything to God. And this is what I believe. I believe if he would have said, Oh yes, I'll be happy to do that, Lord. I'll be, I'll be, I'll start today selling out and giving everything I have to the poor if I can have riches in the kingdom of heaven. But he didn't say that. And therefore, his story is written in the Scripture. I believe, personally, I'm telling you, I'm preaching from my imagination right now. I'm not preaching Bible. I'm preaching, I don't do this much. But here's what I believe. I believe if he would have said the things that I just said that he should have said, the Lord would have said, you don't really have to do that. He would have done him just like Abraham. Because Abraham had the knife back ready to kill his only son Isaac. And the Lord stopped him and he said, that's all I need to know. I just need to know that you're willing to do what I ask you to do. Are you with me? The Lord, the Lord didn't want Isaac dead. He just wanted to see Abraham's heart. He didn't want the rich young ruler to be broke. He didn't want him to give everything to the poor necessarily. He just wanted to know what he was willing to do. You can't get caught up in the stuff. When you get caught up in the stuff, rich young ruler, God's going to judge you for that. And you can't, you can't put that before the kingdom of God. The Bible said he walked away sorrowful. Put it back up that last verse. <clears throat> Brother Tommy, if you don't mind. Here's what the Bible said. He walked away sorrowful. Why did he walk away sorrowful? For, that word means because, he was very rich. What the Bible said. I didn't say that. The Bible said he was just, you know, he was just, man, he was upset. Basically what the Bible's saying is, he walked away and shook his head and said, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. That's not what, No. So, so the problem with the rich young ruler is he had too much stuff. And he wasn't willing for God to be the manager over his stuff. Amen. God's not against you having stuff. As a matter of fact, in the story of the talents, he, he gave one guy won. Am I right? And then he give others more. And the others that had more, they, they went, and I'm just quickly paraphrasing here, they went and doubled what God gave them. God didn't come back. Jesus didn't come back and say, well, you know what? I'm going to take everything y'all have done. No. He was glad. But the guy that had one talent, he went and buried it because he loved his stuff. And when he buried his talent, when the Lord came back and said, where's yours? Oh, you know, I was afraid I'd lose it. I, this is mine. This is He took his away from him and gave it to the others. 
What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that we cannot in the 21st century get caught up with so many things in our life. This, this, this here, the devil will have you hopping and going and doing and running and, and you, he'll stop you from praying. He'll stop you from evangelizing. He'll stop you from fasting. He'll stop you from giving. He'll stop you from everything he can if he can monopolize your life with all this junk that he puts in our life. I believe Believe in my heart what I'm preaching tonight is timely. You can't walk away sorrowful. You gotta say, God, here I am. Stuff kept him from following Jesus and probably, probably becoming one of the apostles or one of his disciples. Stuff stopped him. Stuffed him. Let me tell you, there's a difference and I'm gonna talk about it in just a few minutes. You wanna know what stuff would do? Read Acts 26 and 28. Brother Tommy, if you'll put that there. The Bible said, then Agrippa said to Paul, almost Somebody shout almost. He said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost. Paul's led before the king. And Paul gives his testimony. And Agrippa said, you know what? I'm almost persuaded. But I got too much stuff. I'd like to follow this Jesus, but there's some stuff in my way. I'd, I'd have given my position, but, you know, I'd have to give it up. And, 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 and I, I can't do that. My authority means too much. I, Paul, I just can't do that right now. Why? Because you're consumed with what you are and who you are and how much you have and what's going on in your life. Let me tell you something, folks. It's not worth working two or three jobs and missing out on the things of God. It's not worth... Look, heaven is worth more than anything you can invest in in this old earth. You don't need to be putting all of your time and all of your effort in things that are not eternal. You need to stop where you are tonight and say, God, would you let me do a little inventory? of my life and see where you are as a priority in my life. I want to be sure that I don't have so much stuff that it drowns out the voice of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm just preaching truth to you tonight. What about Felix in Acts 24? Verse 24, the Bible said, After certain days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewish He sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And he re, as he reasoned, watch, of righteousness and temperance and judgment to come. Felix trembled. He got under conviction. And he said, go thy way for this time, brother Paul. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. There is no convenient season in living for God. You either going to put down the stuff in your life and get rid of some junk in your life and put some things behind you in your life and follow him or you're not going to make it. The stuff, you can't hide among the stuff. you got to get out there and be open before God. What he was saying is, I'd like to serve God, but I'm just too busy right now. Have you ever heard of anybody like that? And it's really not convenient time for me. But I'm going to present to you on this Wednesday night, you never find Felix again where he heard the Word of God and he fell before God in prayer. Felix didn't do that. He just said, I'll call for you in a convenient time. I'm telling you, there never was a convenient time. You can't get too busy. You can't get too busy. You know what Demas, you know what the Bible said about Demas? Demas, Demas hath forsaken us, having loved this present world. That's what, what Paul said. He forsook us because he had so much stuff. Whatever the reason. It's just stuff. Do you know, think about it, your family, your friends, think about it. Whatever the reason, it's just stuff that keep people from following Jesus. It's just nameless, unimportant, non-eternal stuff. Now, now. Let me talk about people who, who did rid themselves of stuff to follow Jesus or to follow God. I want to take you back to the Old Testament to a man by the name of Elisha in 1 Kings 19. 
Elijah came by. Let me just read it in verse 19 of 1 Kings 19. The Bible said, So he departed thence and found Elijah the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelve, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. The prophet passed by. Elijah passed by Elisha and just threw his mantle over on him. Now watch this. And the Bible said in verse 20, He left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And and Elijah looked back and said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? Elisha the Bible said he returned back from him and he took a yoke of oxen and he slew them. He killed them. And he bawled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen. He took the plow and started a fire and bawled the oxen. And he gave unto the people and they ate. And then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. Oh, I could preach an hour right here. Because he left nothing to go back to. He said, I ain't going to need this plow another day. These oxen have been good, but they're dying today. I'm going to feed people. I'm not leaving anything to go back to. When I tell you, he got rid of the stuff. When the call of God came on Elisha, he was working, but he destroyed the stuff that would take his time and attention away from his calling. Amen. He burned the plow, boiled the oxen, fed the people, and took the mantle of Elijah and went after him. And when they when he asked him what he wanted, he said, I just want a double portion of what you've got, man of God. I just want twice as much as what you've had. Could I tell you the rest of the story? If you study the history of Elijah, Elijah performed seven major miracles in his life. But Elisha performed 13 major miracles in his life. You say, well, where's the other one? Let me tell you. Because they buried him. They buried him. And a few years later, in a battle, the, 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 the men of battle, one of their comrades died, and they throwed him in the tomb of Elisha. And when they looked up, here he comes out of the tomb. Running after his comrades. Why? Because that 14th miracle was the miracle of life that came because a man said, I'll burn these oxen. I'll burn this plow. I'll leave my mom and daddy. I'll leave everything I've got because I don't want stuff stopping me from finding out what God wants me to do. Hallelujah. You want to know the difference in the rich young ruler and one that did become an apostle? His name is Simon Peter. You find John 21 and 15. The Bible said, So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And he said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. And Peter walked away from his fishing nets and his boat, his hobby, his living, his everything. And, and, and he had all of his income right there, but he left it for many years to follow Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, I've come to tell you on a Wednesday night, we will never find the perfect will of God until we get over our stuff. Your stuff may be unforgiveness. Your stuff may be somewhere in your job. Your stuff, I'm just preaching to you now. Your stuff may be something you own. Your stuff may be a family member. Your stuff may be somebody in your head. I'm here to tell you whatever it takes. Put everything out of your life to get to the foot of the cross and find out what God wants in your life. Your stuff will doom you. It will not save you. It will doom you if you don't get a hold of it now. Look at when God 
God called Abraham. He left his country. He left his, his family. He never looked back. The Bible said in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8, By faith, Abraham, when he was called, called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, he obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whether he went. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. You know what the Bible's saying? He didn't leave nothing there. He just said, I'm getting out of here. God's calling me. I'm doing what God wants me to do. I wonder what would happen in this room tonight if every one of us would just fall on our face somewhere at a closet of prayer and say, God, whatever you want out of me. I'm willing to go. I'm willing to spend. I'm willing to give. I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. I just don't want stuff stopping me. Because we use all kind of flimsy excuses. You know what we do? We blame it on others. We blame it on things. We blame it on jobs. We blame it on sicknesses. We blame it on disease. We blame it on all kind of stuff. Why we can't do what God wants us to do. I'm here to preach to you on a Wednesday. It's time for it to start right here and go to the back of this church and from side to side and every member of this church to say God I don't want stuff consuming me I don't want stuff overtaking me I want to get all the stuff out of my life I want to do the will of God and whatever it takes I'll do it by the help and grace of God hallelujah somebody say amen so Abraham left not knowing where he was going But he had a lot of stuff. Let me tell you what God does. Let me tell you what God does. When you leave all the stuff, God gives you stuff. Yeah. When you leave all the stuff, He'll multiply the stuff in your life. When it quits being a God in your life, He'll give you all. The Bible said, delight thyself in what? The Lord. Everybody say it with me. Delight thyself. In the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. How much plainer can it be? You start serving God, giving God your very best, laying it all on the line for God. God's got an abundant supply where you got that stuff you got. He's got a whole bunch more stuff you hadn't got. When you start saying, God, this is not my stuff, it's your stuff. That's God never gives, listen to me, God never gives you stuff for it to stay with you. He gives you things so it can flow through you to the kingdom of God. And when the the supply stops with you, God said, that's enough for him. I'll find somebody that I can trust. Oh, some of you's with me. Some of you, you're still at Pizza Hut. Amen. So Abram left everything. You want to know another man? Let me hurry now. Moses. Moses left the riches of Egypt. What do you think Moses had being raised in the house of Pharaoh? What was at Moses' fingertips? I mean, after all, Pharaoh's daughter found Moses and claimed him as as her own son. He was raised in a palace. Moses had stuff. He was rich. He was raised in riches. But the Bible said in Hebrews eleven twenty four, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, when he got old enough to, to do, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He said, I am not going to be. The Bible said in verse 25, what's this? Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He could have done anything he wanted to. He was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Or so he was called. We know he wasn't, but 
So he was called, and he said, I'm not going to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I'd rather be called a Hebrew. I'd rather be called an Israelite. I'm going to go with the people of God. The Bible said he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater than the riches, than the, than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. He said, this is just temporary. I'm not going to live here. This stuff's not going to keep me bound down. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go with the people of God because their reward is going to be bigger than what I have here in the house of Pharaoh. I'm preaching to people tonight that need to get their eyes off of the right now and get your eyes on the hereafter. You need to forget about what's surrounding you and luring you right now. You need to remember there's a there's an eternity. There's a heaven and a hell. There's a reward that I can't even explain to you. If you'll just do what I'm preaching, I'm here to tell you this old Bible says that there's a city whose builder and maker is God. It's twelve foundations. It's And Jesus is the light of that city. It, it, there's a river of life. There's never a funeral. There's never a hospital. There's no more awful. I could preach a while about it tonight. But if you get your eyes off the right now and get your eyes on the hereafter, there is no telling what God will do when we just lay down the stuff in our life. People can't be faithful because of stuff. 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 Always got some. Look. If I told you all the excuses I heard as a pastor over the last 47 years, you, you, you wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe it. And there, and there's some, my phone rings sometime and I, I just, I already, I already know. It's a long yarn about nothing. Well, you know, Pastor God knows my heart. That's the problem. He does know your heart. That's the situation. Everybody with me tonight? Moses left the king's palace. So here's my question. What's the stuff in your life that's keeping you from fulfilling the purpose of God in your life? What's worth it? I'm talking to me and you. What's worth it? We can't let the devil get us so busy and surrounded. The Bible said in the New Testament that that we could get weighted down with the cares of life. The cares of life. As a matter of fact, we can do sometimes right things with wrong motives. And it not be the will of God. Here's what the Bible said. And I'm, I'm hurrying to a close. The Bible said, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. What's all that stuff going to do for you then? What's all that stuff going to mean for you? You know what? You you can't get to working. To working. And you can blame it on work. Look, the Bible said if a man don't work, he shouldn't eat. I understand that. Bible talks about laziness in the Scriptures. I understand that. But you can get so caught up in your work you forget God. Haggai chapter 1 verses 5 and 6 says this, Now therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe ye, but, or ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages earneth wages to put it in a bag with holes in it. Because, let me tell you, when you put wages into a bag with holes, what it's saying is, is you're doing all this stuff and you got food and, and, and drink and clothes and house, but the eternal things are left out. It's just stuff. Stuff could be peer pressure. Stuff could be embarrassment. But I'll tell you what Jesus said in Mark eight thirty eight. He said, whosoever, there, whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this 
adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed, and when he cometh in his glory of his Father with, with the holy angels. In other words, you can't be embarrassed about me. Well, I'd go do that, but I'm a little shy. Get out of here. I'd do that, but I, you know, the, the, my friends. I'd do that, but my family. The true sincerity of a man is when he can forsake father and mother, houses and land, sister and brother, and yea, even his own life also to follow God. And that's what the Bible said we better do. We better, that, that, you know, I don't believe the Lord ever intended to break a family up. I don't believe that. But here's what he said. You gotta be willing to lay all that down to follow me. You gotta lay all that down and take up a cross. If mama don't go, you can't stay with mama. You gotta go to truth. If daddy don't go, you, you say, that's hard saying, preacher. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. He said that. You gotta forsake. Father and mother, houses and land, sister and brother. And he said, even your own life, you got to be willing to lay down your life. That's a lot of stuff in your life that you've got to get rid of. Maybe it's, maybe your stuff is bitterness. Maybe it's unforgiveness. It can clutter up your life till you can't fulfill the will of God. You can be a so-called Christian and have bitterness. And have so much stuff in your mind and in your heart that God couldn't use you if He wanted to. We ain't shouting so high right now. But, but this is the facts. The Bible said in Mark eleven twenty five, when you stand praying, forgive. Everybody in this room say forgive. And He said, if you have all against any, any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But, but, if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Do you know how powerful that verse is? See, I'm still preaching about stuff. Because stuff is not always something you can see. Stuff may be something you can't see. Stuff in your life may be things that you got in your mind and your spirit. Look right at me. If you can't forgive that person, you can't be forgiven. I'm teaching the Word of God tonight. He said, if you can't forgive, when you stand praying, you got to forgive somebody that's done you wrong. And if you're holding grudges, guess what? Every time you pray, it's hitting that ceiling. Boom. Coming right back down. It ain't going nowhere. You can't even get forgiveness. That's a sermon within itself, isn't it? I preached many years ago and probably need to preach it again. Prisoners of unforgiveness. Prisoners. When you get a grudge and you're holding, I don't care who it is. It may be somebody that has done horrible wrong to you. You have to pray until you get over them. You have to put that in the hands of God. And you have to go to those, that person if possible. The Bible said follow peace with all men as much as is possible. Some folks are impossible. This is good stuff tonight. I got nine minutes. I'm going I'm to finish probably before time. But listen to me. That's stuff in your life. You can't hide among stuff. You run, shout, talk in tongues, roll in the floor, bake everybody's cakes, mow the church yard, pick up all the paper, clean the bathrooms, pay your tithes. If you got unforgiveness, you can't be right. You don't know what they did to me. I know what they did to Jesus. They were killing him. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You gotta love your enemies. Come on now, I'm still talking about stuff. You thought stuff was boats and three wheelers and four wheelers and cars and guns and whatever else. No, stuff can be a spirit. Stuff can be a grudge, an attitude. Stuff can be deceitfulness. Stuff can be lying. Stuff can be a lot of stuff. Some things you don't see. One terrible thing about we Pentecostals is we always deal with things you can see and not quite enough with things you don't see.
That wasn't popular, was it? But it was true. See, be like the lady my dad always told about. She come to the preacher. She said, "Oh, pastor, I just want to lay my tongue on the altar." He said, "There's ten foot of altar. Do the best you can." <laughs> Amen. Y'all ever heard him tell that? A few times. Yep. That was that was a geism right there. Let me hurry. When Joseph brought his brothers and father into Egypt, this is what he said to them in Genesis forty-five nineteen. Now thou art commanded, this do ye. Take your wagons out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives, and bring your father, and come, and regard not your stuff for the good of all the land of Egypt is yours. You go get your daddy... And you get your kids, and you get your wife, and quit worrying about your stuff. Leave your stuff. Just bring your family. And come on down here, because the, the land of Egypt is yours. The goods of all the land of Egypt is yours. If you'll just do what God said. Joseph said, in, efforts, in essence, here's what he's told his brothers. Your stuff is not worth bringing into this land. Just leave it at home, because what... Here is so much better than what you can ever imagine. There's famine where you are. We got plenty here. Just go get your family and get rid of your stuff and come to God. You know what? When you come to God, you have to get rid of some stuff. That's what repentance is all about. Anybody here have to lay some things down when you come to God? Remember that? Your old life, your drugs, your alcohol, your lying, your stealing, whatever else you were doing. You had to repent of all that. And yet, but here's what the devil does, and I'm, 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 I'm quitting on this right here. Here's what he does. He can't get, look, I'm not going to a bar room. I ain't never been to one. I don't care nothing about that. I don't, I, I'm not getting, getting drunk. I'm, I, that's not, I, I never had an ounce of alcohol in my life. Don't know nothing about it. Don't care about it. I ain't smoking. I ain't drinking. I ain't drugging up. I ain't doing all that. Devil knows he, but he can get bitterness in me. If he can just get a little bitterness in me. If he can get a little deceit in me. If he can just get a little attitude down in here in me. He can destroy me just like he can a drunkard on the street. Just like he can a drug addict down on Skid Row. He, he, can, he can get me not with the things that he might have saved some of you from. He didn't save me from that. Yes, he did. He did save me from that. I wasn't in that. He put me in a home of a pastor and his wife, and he saved me from that. I never had to know that. I don't know anything about that world. Some of you do. And you know what? You ought to thank God today that he, got, he brought you out of that and gave you the peace of God in your heart and the joy of God in your heart. Aren't you glad for what God delivered you from? Aren't you glad for the blessing? Well, look. Don't let him come put some more junk in there. Don't let him find you empty. Don't let him, don't let him manipulate your life. Because here's what he'll do. He can cause you to be lost by making you too busy. He can cause you to be lost by just keeping you from going to the house of God. By just tearing up things. So, he thinks you won't give to him. Getting you so in debt till you gotta work all the time. Thank you. Thank you. I heard too. But it's true. See, he, we used to sing it. We used to sing it when I was a kid. The devil is a sly old fox. And if I'd catch him, I'd put him in a box. Lock that box and throw away the key. For all those tricks he's played on me, he ain't coming after you with a pitchfork and a red suit. He's going to show up on your job in the way of a co-worker. He's going to show up in your home in the way of trouble in your marriage. He's going to show up trying to steal your kids and get you all disoriented. 
It's going to cause a little pain in your body where you don't believe God heals anymore. He's just putting stuff out there. That's why the Bible said, be sober. I'm preaching tonight better than I've preached in a long time. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, roareth about, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may divide. But you, you gotta beware of his stuff. Understand? So here's what we have to do. While the ushers are coming to get ready, we gotta get rid of this stuff in our life. God's saying to us, the stuff that you think is so important, you, you can't bring that to the promised land. You, you can't have that in the promised land. But on top of that, you can't even imagine what God's got ready for you in another world when you get rid of the stuff in your life. See, I'm preaching to people right here on a, on a Wednesday night that you deal with all kind of stuff in your life. All kind of stuff. That's a big word. I made that clear when we started. All kind of stuff. You just continually, your mind is just, pool. It's just, you know, it just seems like it's, it's just when it rains, it pours. Come on, guys. Y'all give while I finish. Jesus' name, bless the offering. You just can't, you can't, you can't get over it, just stuff. What you got, Randy? I'm sorry. What if that person what? You got to forgive yourself. You know what? God forgave you long ago. When you ask Him, you got to have faith enough to forgive yourself. That's right. And, and, and the devil makes sure that's still in your head, Randy, because that's his work. He don't want you to forget your past. How many of you in here have you ever done something wrong and the devil, you repented of it, but the devil hopped back on your shoulder and tried to say, uh-huh, look what you've done. Everybody with me? See? You're not the only one. It's everybody in this room. And the devil comes back and he says, you know what? God didn't really forgive you. And you know what? Then sometimes we fall back and we do the same thing again, and then he really gets on us. See, that's stuff that you've got to stop. And the only way you can do it was with faith in God. And serving God every day. And just praying every morning. God, let me walk. The Bible said if you, if you, the, the ways of, of a good man are ordered of the Lord. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And you get up every morning praying, God, give me the right decisions today. Let me walk with you today. When I get in my truck and drive down Chadwick Drive in the mornings there, there, most of the time I'm saying, God, just give us an awesome day. Just let me walk with you today. Let me, let me know you today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is there anybody here that understands what I'm talking about tonight? We need the devil get him out of our life and get the stuff and the junk that he's trying to destroy us with out of our life. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor right now and say, that's good stuff. That's the kind of stuff you need, not the kind of stuff I've been preaching about. I hope tonight that you hear me and hear me well. That what I preached about is not a farce or a fairy tale or fiction. It's a very real life that every one of us live. And we better learn to get our brain in gear and our heart in gear and say, Lord, deliver me from that stuff. Saul, God wants to use you. Come here. They said, where is that guy? Where'd Saul go? They said, where is he? And I'll tell you who answered him. You know who answered him? Not his mama. Not his daddy. The Lord said. He's hidden among the stuff. He knew where he was. And guess what? He knows where you are too. And when God calls, get away from the stuff and fall at the feet of Jesus. Let's thank you for the word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Help us tonight, Lord. Lay your hand on us right now. Give us the wisdom of God. Give us the mind of God. Let us know the will of God. Do it, Lord, in every life in this building today. Those little things that have come against us, God. I pray that you would give us power in the anointing of the Holy Ghost over the stuff that the devil's trying to destroy us with. In Jesus' In Jesus' name.